Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Welcome to Encounter at Home. Maybe today you are gathered in a small group in someone's home. You're just there in your home with your family, or maybe you're watching this all by yourself or watching the recording later. Whatever the case may be, welcome to Encounter Church. I'm so excited to share the Word of God with you today. You know, we really can't wait to gather in person as a family again. But you know, I really believe God is using this crisis and our social distancing and all the stuff that's going on. He's using it to refocus our hearts on Him and the true value of relationships. I don't know about you, but I sure do miss all of y'all, and I can't wait to be back in person with everybody. I really, truly do believe that what the enemy means for evil, God is using it for the good of his people. And we're going to come out of this crisis stronger and with more traction than we've had before. So, don't be discouraged. In fact, today we're going to talk about the cure or one of the cures for discouragement. Today, we're going to be taking a brief pause from our solid series. If you've been with us uh, the the year 2020, uh, we have a year-long theme called Solid, Biblical Foundations for Strong Disciples. And we've been learning every single Sunday that practicing God's Word makes us strong. And we will continue with our Solid series uh, next week. But we just finished up a series called 180 about repentance. And today what I'm going to do is just take a little break and I'm going to talk uh, to you today about something that's just been on my heart that doesn't really go along with any series. Is that okay? I hope that's okay. If you're with your group, tell them that's okay. If you're by yourself, point to yourself and say, that's okay. Today we're going to take a little break from solid. But let me tell you, this word, if you can grab a hold of it and apply it to your life, It will definitely make you more solid. How about we pray just before we jump into the message today. Father, thank you for who you are. You are a God of perfect love and peace that the world can't take away. And today, as we are together or alone, however we're receiving your word today, we open our hearts We open our minds and we thank you that your word is producing powerful results in us. We receive your word today and believe that we're changed by it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And how about you say, amen. Today, the title of my message for you is A Nap, A Snack, and A Voice. A Nap, A Snack, and a voice. If you're with a small group, tell somebody, a nap, a snack, and a voice. Why don't you just tell yourself, I need a nap, I need a snack, and I really need a voice, right? Let me just give you a little bit of a backstory before we actually go into our scripture for the day. I want to talk to you about the prophet Elijah. Elijah was one of the boldest prophets in Israel's history. 
One of the first things that stands out to me about Elijah is that uh, sort of in the beginning of his story, God tells him, I'm going to take care of you. There's going to be a famine, but I'm going to take care of you. I want you to go live by this creek, by this river. And you're going to drink from that river. And as you live there all by yourself by this river, I'm going to send birds to take care of you. Birds are actually going to bring you food. And Elijah goes and he trusts God and he goes off and he lives by this this little brook, and he's fed supernaturally, miraculously by birds. How cool is that? Um, Another thing uh, about Elijah, one time he miraculously multiplied flour and oil to provide for a widow and her son during uh, a famine. And then, a little bit later, that same widow's son, that little boy, um, became sick and died, and Elijah raised a boy from the dead. Probably the boldest thing Elijah ever did was that in the midst of idolatrous culture, in the midst of Israel that had totally and completely turned their backs on God, in fact, they were literally worshiping idols, worshiping demons. Uh, In in that period of time, they worshiped this demon called Baal, B-A-A-L, Baal, okay? And Baal had lots of false prophets that went around falsely prophesying things in the name of Baal. And most of Israel had turned their backs on God and were worshiping this false idol, Baal. And so in the midst of that type of society and probably the worst king, the most evil king in Israel's history, at least until that point, King Ahab, right? And other evil kings that had preceded. Elijah comes on the scene and in a nutshell says, because Israel has turned against God and is worshiping idols, there is going to be a three plus year drought which will produce a Famine. It's not going to rain for over three years, and all of the harvest are going to be lost, and there's not going to be anything to eat. Imagine proclaiming that in the midst of a culture where people were not worshiping Elijah's God, right? Where people made fun of him because he worshiped God. He was bold enough to speak for God in the midst of a culture that didn't want to hear anything about God. Does that sound familiar? Right? I, you know, and, and then something else happened. So he prophesied this three plus year drought and famine. And then, of course, God fulfilled his word. It doesn't rain for over three years. And the, 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 the famine becomes so terrible. And then we get to the part of the story that's in 1 Kings chapter 18. I invite you to go back and, and look it up in your Bible because I'm just going to give you a little summary here. But what we read about is a mighty showdown, right? King Ahab and his wife's name was Jezebel, right? King Ahab, the most evil king, right, in Israel's history. Um, Elijah says, I'm going to show him who's God. And he says, all right, King Ahab, I want you to come and I want you to bring the 400 false prophets of Baal, right? And we're going to have like our contest. And to make a long story short, 
the false prophets of Baal, they, they offer their sacrifice to Baal and they dance and they sing and they cut themselves and do all this kind of stuff to see what would happen and nothing happens, right? And then Elijah says, all right, I'm going to show you who's God. And he builds the altar. He presents his sacrifice. He actually asked them to pour water on it, so much water that it totally wets the, the, the sacrifice and the altar. And he digs a ditch around it and it fills the trench with water. And then, you know, again, after he'd given Baal the, the, the first chance and Baal doesn't do anything because Baal's not really God, right? He calls on the true God to show everybody who is the true God. And he calls fire down from heaven. He asks God to send fire from heaven, and God does it. Fire descends from heaven. It consumes the sacrifice. It even burns the altar and licks up the, the water around the altar. It's amazing. This is, is an amazing showdown. God shows up, and he shows off. God shows the people that he really is God. And, and you know, the people respond, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. And they know that Baal's not God anymore. But unfortunately... Even after God shows up and shows off, the people continue in their evil. In fact, what we're going to read about here in just a minute in 1 Kings 19 is that Queen Jezebel, who you would think after seeing what happened with all of the false prophets and that Baal, the idol, their idol, couldn't really do anything, but the real God showed up and showed off and you know, he, God was doing this to turn people's hearts back to him. You would think she would have reacted in repentance and would have turned away from her idolatry and would have turned to God. But unfortunately, that's not what happens. And unfortunately, continue reading the history of Israel and they go back to idolatry again too. Jezebel, who should have repented instead of repenting, now vows to kill the prophet Elijah. I don't know about you, but the only word I can think that Elijah must have felt in that moment after doing everything he had done, after serving the people of Israel, after being so bold as to, you know, believe God for all these miracles, and then the showdown with the prophets of Baal. I think that he was probably expecting a different reaction from the people. And the only word I can think of that he must have felt in that moment is disappointment. How disappointing this must have been for Elijah. Let's read 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to ask you to bear with me as we read. We're going to read through 18 verses. I may pause along the way and make a few comments, but we're going to read all the way from verse 1 through verse 18. You can follow along. The verses are going to be there on the screen for you. But also, if you, I'd love for you to get out your Bible and underline it or highlight it on your Bible app. 1 Kings 19, starting with verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When Ahab got home... He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. I mean, imagine, just picture that. Ahab, King Ahab, had just witnessed fire come down from heaven from God. And, and basically, God showed that he was God. And he goes home, and he tells Jezebel everything, right? 
he, he, he tells Jezebel. Um, let me also, let me, let, me, let me pause one more time and tell you a little bit else what happened, okay? Because uh, Ahab is telling Jezebel what happened. Not only did fire come down from heaven, but afterwards, Elijah goes and prays, and he tells King, uh, King Ahab, guess what? The drought is over, right? So after more than three years of no rain, he tells King Ahab, by the way, God's about to show you again that he's God. So Elijah goes off. And he prays, and basically, long story short, with his prayers, he ends the drought, and a mighty rainstorm comes. So now, Ahab is back home, and he's telling his wife, Queen Jezebel, about all that he just saw God do, right? And it says, so he told, uh, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Yeah, because Elijah got rid of those prophets after this, right? So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just if you have killed them. Again, probably not the response Elijah was hoping for, right? After all that God had just done and after he had been so bold. Probably not what Elijah was hoping for, at least. And then the next verse says something totally out of character. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. See, now Elijah is not behaving like his normal self. This is not the Elijah that we've been reading about all these miracles and stories and how Elijah has been so bold, even as bold enough to confront an evil king and other evil people, right? Now Elijah is afraid because of a threat, because this lady is threatening him. Elijah is not behaving like himself now. Because he's afraid and he's running away. Let's keep reading. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. Then he lay down. And slept under the broom tree. Oh, I love this next sentence. It says, as he was sleeping, an angel touched him. As he was sleeping, an angel touched him. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. But the angel told him, get up and eat. Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water, right? So the angel had come and touched him and also brought him a snack. So he ate and drank and lay down again for another nap, right? Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night, sleeping and eating, or a big part of this story. But the Lord said to him, I love how the Lord just comes to him in the midst of his despair, in the midst of him not really being himself or acting like himself and not really doing what he needed to be doing. The Lord in his loving kindness just comes to Elijah 
And obviously, Elijah wasn't really supposed to be doing what he was doing because the Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, I feel like God was saying, you're not acting like yourself lately. What's going on? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people, right? Here comes the disappointment. The people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Actually, we'll find out here as we continue reading that this wasn't true, okay? It wasn't totally true. Really, these are just Elijah's emotions talking, right? But God's just letting him get it out, right? And then God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake either. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty. But the people, his, his spiel again, right? The people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. And all that was true, except this next part. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. He was disappointed. He was really discouraged in this moment. The next verse says, Then the Lord told him immediately God's instructions, right? The Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha. It's the most exciting part. Son of Shaphat from the town of Abel Meholah to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and anyone who escapes Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet, by the way, correction, Elijah, I'll preserve 7,000 others in Israel who've never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Elijah really wasn't the only one who loved God. There weren't many, but there were some, right? He was just so disappointed that that's the way he felt. I'm the only one, right? What I want to talk to you today about is a subject that many wonderful preachers and prophets have taught us about. And that is the spirit of Jezebel. Much has been taught about the spirit of Jezebel. And what I'm going to share with you today, by no means, is to discredit any of that. There's so much great teaching about what the spirit of Jezebel tries to do to us. But I'm not going to really talk about what most people talk about. Most people talk about 
uh, intimidation and manipulation amongst other things. And again, all of that teaching is great. It's wonderful. Although some of it is misconstrued. I've heard a lot of teachings about Jezebel and basically just any woman or female that has any sort of pants on that compare to Jezebel. That is actually not true at all. That is not the spirit of Jezebel. But we're not going to go there on that today. I want to focus on probably what Jezebel does the most or attempts to do to us, but it often gets overlooked. And that is Jezebel tries to disappoint and discourage God's people. Spirit of Jezebel, right? Intimidation? Maybe. Disappointment? Definitely. Yes, Jezebel will try to intimidate you and get you to stop speaking for God, but she was never able to do that to Elijah, right? But what the spirit of Jezebel was able to do was to disappoint and discourage Elijah, but only temporarily, right? I really honestly don't think, and I know that, that, that some may disagree with me on this point, but I think if you read the story and you read all the details of the story, I don't think Elijah was afraid of Jezebel. I don't think he was intimidated by Jezebel because that wouldn't really match up with the rest of his story. He wasn't afraid or, or intimidated by anyone, much less the threat of a queen, right? I mean, he'd stood up to men. He'd stood up to kings. He'd stood up to 400 prophets of Baal. You know, they could have captured him and killed him on the spot. I don't think he was scared of Jezebel. I think he was mainly disappointed and discouraged because after all he'd done, the people still didn't respond the way they should have or the way maybe he had hoped for or expected. And you know, I think what Elijah felt was, I'd rather die than to continue being disappointed. Have you ever felt so disappointed that you weren't sure it was even worth it to keep going? I know some of you felt that way. There have been moments in my life when I'm like, man, I feel so disappointed. Is it even worth it? Maybe not, I just want to die, but is it even worth it to keep trying, to keep going? I'm just so disappointed. And the truth is, it's always worth it to keep going. But sometimes that's what disappointment makes us feel. I don't, again, I don't think Elijah was even really intimidated. I think he was more just disappointed, discouraged, and just plain old tired. And this opened him up to something that wasn't character, uh, according to Elijah's character. That was fear. Because it does say he was afraid. But I don't think it was just about him being afraid. I think he was so disappointed and discouraged that that opened him up to this fear so much that he just decided to run off, to run away, rather than to face the issue and keep on going. I know that some of us have felt that way before. And today we're going to see one of the ways God cures us from feeling that deep disappointment like Elijah felt. What Elijah really needed was to rest and hear from God. He needed a nap, a snack, and a voice. 
One more thing before I begin to break those down. Some people say, I've heard people say that the way Elijah responded to Jezebel basically like disqualified him from continuing being used by God or from God's purposes and kind of like, yeah, you know, since he couldn't stand up to Jezebel, his time was basically up. You know, the, the Elijah story was over. But no, that, that's actually not the case at all. God didn't just do away with Elijah because he didn't know how to deal with Jezebel at first. In fact, if you keep on reading the story, once Elijah ate his snack and took his nap and heard the voice, right, he received a renewed purpose. His time wasn't up. In fact, I actually personally think that the purpose that God renewed in Elijah was probably his most important purpose. And I'm going to tell you what that was here in just a minute, right? Maybe right now you're tired, disappointed, discouraged. We're living in, at least for our generation, unprecedented times. I heard someone talking today about this present crisis. And, you know, the, a crisis always makes us feel like this has never happened. And this is the worst it's ever been. And by no means is this to downplay the crisis that we're going through. This is a real crisis, and we should deal with it accordingly. But you know what? It has been this bad, and it has been even worse before. This is not, you know, this is not the worst crisis in history, but when we're going through a crisis, that's what it feels like, right? Maybe many of us are tired, we're discouraged, we're disappointed. Maybe you lost your job, right? Maybe you're going through some major financial pressure. Maybe you're a homeschool mom or dad for the first time in your life and you don't, you, you, you don't know what to do with yourself, much less to do with your kids, right? Maybe you're going through something tough in your family, relationship, health issues. Maybe even disappointed in ministry, right? Maybe what you need is a nap, a snack, and I can tell you, you most definitely need a voice. You need the voice. Let's first talk about number one, a nap. All of us, every once in a while, need a nap, right? Elijah, the first thing he did was he ran off and he slept under a tree. He took a nap under a broom tree, right? What do I mean by this? We all need a nap every once in a while. We all need to pause and rest. Take a day off. Maybe take two days off. I can promise you the world will not collapse if you take a day off. In fact, if we are to follow the principles of God's word, even the Ten Commandments teach us that we should take one day off every week. I'm not going to take time to teach you the doctrine of the Sabbath, but let me tell you, there's a lot of wisdom in that. When God, the, the way God created us to function as humans is to only work six days a week and to take one day off a week and to take extra days off. Look at what he did with his people Israel. He programmed into the calendar festivals and parties and all these things where they were to take time off. We all need a nap every once in a while. Listen, your body and your soul need to rest. And God promises, this is so amazing, that if I trust him enough to take 
a day of rest, he'll take care of me. And you need to know that God, if you'll trust him enough to take a nap, to take a day of rest, to take even a couple of days of rest sometimes, you can trust him that he knows how to take care of you and he knows how to take care of the world while you're not taking care of things for a little bit. Come on, maybe you need to point to yourself and say, take a nap, bro. Maybe if you're in a small group, if you're in an encounter at home group, turn to somebody and say, it's okay to take a nap. We've got to trust God enough to rest. Pastor Robert Morris says we are most vulnerable when we're asleep. And how true is that? When you're asleep, you're not in control of anything. In fact, anybody could come and do anything to you when you're asleep because you you're not even aware of what's going on. To sleep is to trust God. I mean, I'd never thought of it that way until recently that if I, when I fall asleep, I'm literally saying, whatever happens is up to you, Lord, because I'm totally out of control. And we need to trust God enough to take a nap every once in a while and trust that he'll take care of us, right? What are some things we can do to help us take a good day of rest? How about disconnect from your phone? News. It's hard to disconnect from the news right now, but it might be the very best thing you could possibly do, right? Disconnect from your phone. Disconnect from news. Disconnect from social media. Give your brain a rest. Give your emotions a rest every once in a while. How about sleep an extra hour or literally take a nap? I know I'm figuratively saying we need to take a nap, but how about literally? Maybe you just need to take an hour-long nap. Do whatever it takes to make you physically and mentally rest, right? I love what happened when Elijah took his nap. It said an angel came and touched him. And I truly believe that sometimes... When we're at rest and we're asleep, angels come and minister to us. I want you to believe that even as you go to sleep tonight, and even as you make the decision, I'm going to take a day of rest. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to start taking a weekly day of rest. I believe that as you sleep, just like it happened to Elijah, angels are going to come and minister to you. Come on, tell yourself one more time. Take a nap. The second thing we need to do sometimes is eat a snack. And what do I mean by that? Literally, God sent an angel to bring Elijah some food, some bread and some water, right? And what does it mean to, to eat a snack? Basically, just enjoy life, right? Have fun. Do something that recharges your energy and just plain old makes you feel good, right? Maybe eating a delicious meal with people that you love is, is your snack, right? Maybe eating your favorite snack is what you need to do. I don't know what that is, but maybe, I don't know, eating your favorite fruit or your favorite potato chips once in a while, right? Whatever, you're, whatever is, is something that just makes you feel good and re-energized physically, right? Makes you just feel good in your soul. Eat a snack. How about visit or call a friend just for the sake of friendship? Not for any other reason, but just to talk to somebody or see somebody that you really enjoy being around, right? Read an enjoyable book or watch 
a wholesome movie. <laughs> Not just any movie, but watch a wholesome movie, right? That's good for your soul. Take a walk. Take a joy ride. That's one of my favorite things to do is, you know, most of the time driving around metropolitan Atlanta is all but joyful because of all the traffic. But maybe go out and take a walk or drive up to the mountains or to a lake or just take a joy ride. Just do something that makes you feel good. Practice a hobby. Maybe you like a certain sport or game or some sort of hobby, whatever. Go out and enjoy nature. I could keep going on and on, but what I mainly want to say is do whatever is soup. Eat whatever is soup to your soul, right? Eat a snack. After you've taken a nap, eat a snack or eat a snack and then take a nap. It doesn't matter what order you do it in, but do something that makes your body and your soul feel good and get recharged because that'll help you with number three, and that is a voice, a nap a snack, and a voice. Not just any voice. The voice. And I'm not talking about the TV show. We need to hear the voice of God. We were created to hear the voice of God. So when we don't hear the voice of God for a while, we begin to dysfunction, to not live according to the way God created us to function, right? As you slow down, as you rest, as you just do something that's fun or makes you feel good, as you do that, listen. Tune your ear in. You'll find God speaking to you. Sometimes God's voice is dramatic. But much more often, it's a gentle whisper, like we see here in Elijah's story. That's why it's necessary for us to slow down, take a nap, eat a snack. Just calm our soul and our body down. We can't live every, live every single day like that, every single waking moment, but... If we do make it a habit to slow down, rest, and do something enjoyable, we will hear the voice of God much more clearly. Because more times than not, it's a gentle whisper. And in order to be able to hear the voice of God, you need to slow down and be quieter. See, when we hear the voice, the voice of God, we receive a renewed sense of purpose and strength to go on. That's what happened with Elijah. After this encounter, right, after he had taken his nap, after he had eaten his snack, he heard the gentle whisper of the voice of God, and the voice of God gave Elijah the next level, the next instructions, the next step, right? He had this encounter with God. And, you know, after this encounter... The story wasn't over. Elijah went on and continued to function as a prophet, right? He anointed new kings. And most importantly, right, I think probably the most important thing that happened is that Elijah got this new purpose of training and mentoring another new prophet, right? 
that would be the prophet Elisha that went on to do even greater things than Elijah. After he had been disappointed and discouraged, it wasn't over. But that's how we feel sometimes. I'm so discouraged. I'm so disappointed. I think it's all over. No, no, no. Slow down. Take a nap. Eat a snack. And listen for the voice of God. And when you hear the voice of God, your purpose will be renewed. I said it once. I'll say it again. I think this was probably the most important task that Elijah ever received, which was to go get Elisha. And to bring him alongside and train and mentor him so that the voice of God could continue going out to the people of Israel even when Elijah was going to be gone. You never know what God's going to speak to you if you just listen to his voice. Don't just, I'm getting ready to end this message, but I want to just say this. Don't only rest your body and your soul. Because I know a lot of people who say, I, I can take the nap and, and the snack, but then they don't listen to the voice. If we just take our nap and we just eat our snack, if we just take a day of rest and do something fun, that's great. We're probably going to feel better, but we won't have the next set of instructions. Don't just take care of your body and take care of your soul. Take care of your spirit. Listen for the voice of God. Make sure you hear what he's saying to you because what he tells you will always take you to the next step and to the next level of his purpose for you. I don't know about you, but many times in my life, I've really just needed a nap, a snack, and to listen to the voice. I believe that's what all of us need in different times of our life. In fact, I believe we need it every single week. We need to make it a practice of slowing down, taking a day off, doing something enjoyable for ourselves and with the people that we love. But in the midst of all of that, tuning in to God's voice. Let me just say, I really do believe we're going to come out on the other side of this pandemic Rested, renewed, and full of fresh purpose. God is truly taking this that the enemy means for evil. And if you'll slow down and listen to the voice, he'll turn this slow time into something good for you. Because want it, or not, right now we've all been giving a little, little extra downtime. Some of you are really taking it in and some of you are absolutely going crazy. But I don't want us to just look at the negative side of what's going on right now. You know what? Let's take advantage of it. By no means do I downplay the real negative things that are happening. But some majorly positive things can come out of this for us if we'll connect with God, if we'll connect with the people that we love, if we'll slow down, if we'll recharge, 
for hear the voice of God and get the, the next set of instructions. What's after this, Lord? I want you to ask that. We're not stuck here forever. This global pandemic won't last forever. We won't be stuck inside of our homes forever. This will pass, right? I know it's cliche, but this too shall pass like everything else. Just like the good times shall pass, the bad times also shall pass. The question is, how am I going to come out the other side of this almost forced rest? I don't know about you, but my plan is to come out on the other side of this having heard clearly the voice of God and having received instructions for what is next. And then, after all this craziness is over, let's make a habit of it. Not a habit of quarantine, but a habit of a regular weekly day off, a regular nap a regular snack, a regular time to tune in and hear God's voice. I believe that we can defeat discouragement and disappointment in this season. I believe we can kick the Jezebel disappointment spirit out of our life if we will slow down, take a nap, eat a snack, listen and obey the voice. Again, I know that different ones of you are in different settings. But if you're in a, at an encounter at home group or in any sort of small group, I want you to ask each other these questions. If not, maybe you can just, amongst your family, ask these questions. If not, ask yourself these questions. How do I make this personal? Not just right now, but how can I do it now but looking into the future, how can I make this a lifestyle? It's really simple. In essence, how can I take a nap? How does that apply to me? How can I eat a snack? And how can I better listen for the voice? Don't just take these as inspirational suggestions. How can you make it practical? in your life? How can you rest better? How can you have fun better? How can you enjoy life better? And how can you tune in and listen to the voice of God better? Just before we go today, as we do every time, I want you to understand that eternity is real. These days that we're living in, what's most prevalent is fear. And in reality, the worst fear of all, the fear that every human being has to face, is the fear of dying. It's just a little more pronounced when there's a pandemic. But in reality, the fear of dying is something we all have to face because one day we are all going to die. Some sooner, hopefully most later. But in reality, we all have to answer the question that's inside of every human soul. What's going to happen when I die? We will spend eternity somewhere. 
either in heaven with God for all eternity or in hell separated from him for all eternity. Today, you can know for sure where you will spend eternity. The only way to know for sure is to have a for sure relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus came and took upon himself, God himself, because there's no way we could remedy the issue of sin ourselves. The only way to truly find the remedy for our sins was that God himself came and was that remedy. He came and he took all of our sins upon himself. He went to the cross and he died. And when he died, he broke the curse of the fear of dying off of us. And we can, by putting our faith in what Jesus did on the cross, have the fear of death broken off of us and have the joy and the peace of eternal life flood our soul. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, you have never been born again, you can be born again today. If you used to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but you've been backslidden, today is your day to come home. And I want to pray with each and every one of you. If you need to make Jesus your Lord, if you need to receive new life, eternal life, or if you've been far away from God and you need to come back home, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to pray your own prayer. Can you repeat the prayer I pray? Sure. But don't just say it as a repetition. Pray your own words and in your own way something like this. Father in heaven, I thank you that you love me so much that you were willing to come and be the remedy yourself for sin. I could never pay the price for my sins. So you came and paid the price for me. You became a human. You came as one of us. Jesus Christ, you came to earth. And after living a perfect, sinless, holy life, you died like a criminal on the cross of Calvary. And when you did, you carried upon yourself all of my sins. And you died. And when you died, you paid the price and you broke the curse. And then Jesus, you rose again from the grave and you broke the curse and you broke the power of sin so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be free. Today, Jesus Christ, I believe in what you did on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I believe you came to save me. You came so that I could be born again. You came so that I don't have to fear death. You came so that I could have eternal life. Today, I receive a new life from you, Jesus. I confess you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Save me. Resurrect me into a new life. I want to live the rest of my life following you. Jesus, I surrender to you today. And I thank you that I'm born again, that I'm back home in the Father's house. I love you, Jesus. 
Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed to receive Jesus as Lord today, I believe you've been born again. If you were backslidden, I believe you came home to the Father today. Because more important than anything else, the first thing, the first voice we need to hear is the voice of God on the inside, knowing that we're loved by him. So before we go, I want to thank you for tuning in to this word. Remember, you got to take a nap. You need to eat a snack. But most importantly, you got to listen to the voice. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.